1: Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Today, I'm ending my
2: campaign for president, but I will never stop believing that America can only move
3: forward when we work together. All right, so I definitely want to hit the big news of the day. So starting with uh, the, the big news of the day, of course, you got John Hickenlooper no longer running for president. And there's actually a reasonable chance that there are more people that just heard John Hickenlooper than actually did when he was a presidential candidate. Uh, we we wish you well in your future endeavors, former Colorado Uh, Governor who's apparently looking at a Senate run, not unlike our friend Beto or Robert Francis O'Rourke. We've got plenty on him today as well. All right. Hey, it is your friend in West Palm Beach who hangs out in a building that is much less secure. In fact, my studio, uh, while we were broadcasting once during a hurricane, actually had its roof ripped off by the the hurricane itself. And we said it just seven feet above sea level. So nowhere near the uh, bunker of the great one, Mark Levin. But uh, in that bunker, he is recuperating now. The uh, great one, Mark, is a little bit under the weather. Uh, So it's always an honor and a pleasure to be with you. And if you've not heard me before, I operate on a few little different things that will help you understand where I'm coming from with pretty much everything we'll be discussing this evening. If you have heard me before, but you're like, hold on, that voice is familiar. What is it this guy does again? Okay, so I operate. On a, a few different uh, ideas here. Everything that I deal with comes off of the premise. Uh, to start with the premise, if the premise of anything is false, anything built upon it is as well. So I don't embrace a false premise. Uh, there are two sides of stories. One side of facts. So we establish the facts. We're all entitled to our own opinions. But if they're based upon a pile of poo, well, guess what? So are the opinions, and they pretty stinky along the way as well. So these being some of the concepts that we discuss, I will walk for, walk forward with them. And uh, actually, one of my recent uh, nicknames, in fact, it's been uh, perpetuated quite a bit by villains for the show, has been the the fact man, and uh, not to be confused with with uh, the the fat man. I, I'm nor uh, not Jake nor the fat man. Uh, I am uh, sometimes referred to as the fact man because of establishing those. Uh, so it is Brian Mudd, host of the Morning Rush in uh, West Palm Beach and the Brian Mudd Show, uh, WYOD in Miami. You may also catch my material, uh, the Brian Mudd Show on iHeartRadio and various other things on the interwebs. And quite literally just back uh, about four hours ago from uh, a trip that ended up taking us through parts of Europe, including Budapest and uh, Vienna. And there are many things that we're kind of interesting. so I was catching up to speed, taking a look at many of the big headlines, giving you an idea of some of what we're going to be tackling today. Actually, kind of maybe it's just the way I'm wired, that when I'm exposed to pretty much er- anything in everyday life, I'm paying attention. I observe. And when I'm in a, a culture I'm not all that familiar with, especially I'm that much more observant. I'm trying to learn and, and trying to apply some of what we know goes on around the world to circumstances firsthand. For example, you you are – in all, likely, of Gettysburg. And you, you, you think about it, you know the history, hopefully. Make sure your kids do it as so well. But then if you're actually in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania... Whole different ball game, right, when you actually experience it. So it's that kind of thing when you begin to immerse yourself in history and also hear and talk to people, different cultures, that kind of thing. And I had not been in either uh, Budapest or Vienna prior to the past week and a half. And so uh, really interesting. As we t- do take a look at some of the big stories that have nothing to do with John Hickenlooper, uh, w- we do see things like this. I was getting caught up to speed on the, uh, the flight back, and uh, some of the headlines had jumped out this morning to me. They hate Israel. Israel considers blocking Omar and Tlaib. Well, as we know, that happened. Benjamin Netanyahu, Prime Minister of Israel, has blocked Omar and Tlaib, who are part of the BDS movement, have a proposal right now the United States House of Representatives to ban to ban any dealings with Israel. They want to go to Israel to preach that hate. But is necessarily President Trump's advocacy of this blocking, of Israel allowing them in, a good thing. Was it a good move by Netanyahu? We'll talk about that. Let's see another headline. X-Aid predicts who will turn on Trump and reset. Hmm. X-Aid, who's going to turn on Trump? and re- So this is the mooch. Uh, speaking of people that were here today, gone uh, tomorrow, almost quite literally, uh, you, you do have uh, the mooch. And the mooch is out with this idea that uh, you're going to have all the Republicans, the the big money donors and everything else that are going to turn on President Trump. There's actually going to be somebody else who wins the Republican primary. And uh, Donald Trump will, will be relegated to the dustbin of, of presidential history at that point. Except there, there's one problem with that theory. I mean, starting with the premise that it has anything to do with big money donors. Uh, <laughs> were the big money donors behind Trump the first time around? Uh, I mean, maybe Mooch was. But. That would have been about the extent of it. That's uh, just the opposite. See small people, small donors, maybe not billionaires like the mooch that brought him to the dance in the first place. Probably going to keep him there. Then, yeah, another big headline. I mean, who could you know, could could you even take your way yourself away from this one today? Miley Liam split takes ugly turn. Can you believe Miley Liam split takes ugly turn. I, I imagine you know. I, I see things like this. It's actually put out there as like a serious headline. A real news story here that uh, apparently, and this is unfortunate if you're a guy, uh, if, if you have a guy and, uh, you know, you, you have someone you're in a relationship with of the opposite sex and they leave you, I mean, that, that could be sad. Uh, and, and you know, maybe you do a little soul searching, try to figure out what, but, well. But when you actually have someone who, who then opts for the other sex, you know, you can't imagine that that feels necessarily good. Uh, The the scarier part of this is in the grand scheme of everything that's going on today, how many people care about that relative to, say, the first one, like what's going on with uh, Israel, BDS, Omar Tlaib? Oh, right. And then this clear warning, Chinese parliamentary forces exercise near Hong Kong. Oh, by the way, China on every front, Russia on every front, Iran on every front. Think about all the pieces come together. Have we not heard about the provocation by China, by Russia, by Iran for several months now? You'll have like a week in between provocation by one of these countries continuing to become more and more aggressive. You think that's a coincidence? Well, absolutely not, because when you're talking about policy, China is Russia, is Iran, is North Korea, is to a much lesser extent uh, Cuba. Is even to a lesser extent than that, Venezuela. And part of the reason this is all relevant as well, especially as you start talking about uh, some of the territories, some of the uh, countries that are closer to the states, like Cuba, like Venezuela, is that they're gaining a foothold quite literally on geography. I mean, that literal foothold in these countries, not just having policy impact. We'll talk about the implications of all this. Another headline. We got an officer down shooting Leave six officers injured. Hmm. All right. Now, this one immediately turned into a gun control situation. But there's one problem. The offender, as it turned out, had a rap sheet that was longer than my arm, which is not necessarily saying a lot because I'm actually just 5'6", but anyway. uh, And numerous, numerous gun violations previously. But here's a little wrinkle on that one. Guess what? Oh, yeah, your district attorney, good old liberal DAs, dropped those charges. In fact, had the DA previously that ended up handling his various different offenses, the perpetrator that shot the six officers that, thank God, look like they're all going to recover. Had this guy actually been prosecuted on the crimes that he was charged with originally, on the offenses he committed, rather than having those charges dropped, probably would not have been free and certainly wouldn't have been in a position to be able to shoot these six officers. But no, what we really need are more gun laws that won't be enforced by liberal DAs. So then they can come and say, we need to take all the guns. Except the problem again, this guy, as so many others, don't adhere to the law. And then you had uh, this one, rattled investors send Dow into freefall. Now that was a headline again this morning coming off yesterday. Things were uh, not quite that way today. So G.E. certainly had a kind of a crazy day. And again, some of this stuff ties in together because be mindful, once again, of what you have going on with China, what you have going on with Russia, what you have going on with Iran, and then how it's culminating in policy here in this country. Let me uh, ask just a quick question. This is not going to be too taxing on your brain. Who do you think that China would like to see as president of the United States in 2021? Donald Trump or any Democrat? Who do you think? Who do you think? The mother Russia. The Vladimir Putin. Oh, come on. Yes, I really am asking the question. Of course, you've got a lot of libs. Well, I mean, Trump is the, the Putin puppet, right? But seriously, for a minute, who do you think? Who do you think? What about Iran? Think Iran would rather see Donald Trump or insert Democrat here? You get my point? Now, let me ask you, who does the average Democrat in this country want? So we're going to talk about how this comes together because quite literally you have Democrats that are advocating for economic destruction in this country. That is exactly what China and Russia and Iran are trying to do. The left in the media in this country are the greatest advocates of the anti-American and anti-free policies of China, of Russia and Iran. You can't make this stuff up, which also takes me to one of my other sayings, which is the most pervasive form of bias in news media is omission, the omitting of information. They never put these pieces together for you. But again, I guess it's my little place in the world. And oh, yeah, that, that big headline that we started with today, uh, John Hickenlooper, and he is out. It's going to be a tough one, a real tough one. All right, so we're getting warmed up, and when we come back, I'm going to tie in some of what we started talking about, including what's going on in Israel, what is happening with this BDS situation, whether or not that's a good idea, and also getting a little food for thought. And, and speaking of food, sounds pretty good about now. Uh, coming up uh, from the, the what I learned in, in Budapest in particular, which ended up being kind of the highlight of our trip, and it was like the afterthought of our trip going in. Uh, I am Brian Mudd in for the great one. Mudd Lovin'.
0: Since its founding in 1844, Hillsdale College has provided students with sound learning of the kind essential to preserving our civil and religious liberty. Now, I want to tell you about Imprimus, the free monthly speech digest of Hillsdale College. Imprimus is dedicated to educating citizens and promoting civil and religious liberty by covering important cultural, economic, political, and educational issues. First published in 1972, Imprimus is one of America's most widely read publications in in support of liberty, with more subscribers, 3.9 million, than the Wall Street Journal and the New York Times. And recent Imprimus publications have addressed issues like free speech, the regulation of big tech, mental illness, and the American medical insurance system. And because America's founding principles are so important, Hillsdale offers Primus absolutely free of charge to anyone who requests it. That's right, you can subscribe to Imprimus for free. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to visit imprimis.hillsdale.edu for your free subscription. That's in Primis, imprimis.hillsdale.edu. Welcome to Hillsdale.
3: The people like that
2: across this country take their responsibility to choose a president so seriously. Big groups and small and living rooms and diners and backyards. People shared with me their deepest fears and their highest hopes. They want
3: solutions. They want this country moving forward. People, all four of them. They they share their thoughts and their opinions. You know, sad thing about Higginloopers in the grand scheme of the Democratic Party. He makes a lot of sense these days, and he was not even in the conversation. Hickalooper out today, and it's kind of a joke. I mean, it's an afterthought. Nobody gave him a chance, and, and here he is gone before anybody even knew really what he was about. Not even the people in Colorado. You always know it's bad when you're polling in the low single digits in your home state where you were governor. Uh, that's not going to boot well anywhere. But I remember for, gosh, man, probably about 15 years, I used to say, uh, the day is coming where we're going to have to look right to find Nancy Pelosi. You go back 15 years ago, that was a joke. You go back 10 years ago, it was still kind of like something you snickered at. Five years ago, it started to look more realistic. Today it is, right? You have to look right to find Nancy Pelosi. Holy crap. In fact, uh, that's still something that's going to be interesting. Nobody's talking about this in 2020. Everybody's wondering. You, you know, I've made uh, some, some, some comparisons, by the way. It's uh, Brian Mudd in for the Hall of Famers, a little under the weather tonight. But I've made uh, some comparisons between what's going on with the Democratic Party and the Republican Party when you had the Tea Party taking on the establishment, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, cycle after cycle for several until, boom, Trump smashes the whole dynamic, remakes the party in his own making, still has all those battles going on. But what happened along the way? Well, while you had those battles back and forth, John Boehner ended up being collateral damage, right, as the Tea Party won uh, considerably in one cycle in particular. Boom, goes Boehner. All right, so Nancy Pelosi sitting in a very similar situation. But one thing that people are often inclined to overlook, how did AOC get brought to the dance in the first place? Well, it was because she ended up knocking out who? Well, one of the members of leadership among the House Democrats, Crowley, New York, right? All right, so nobody even was paying any attention to that race until the election results came in. And it was like, oh, well, that happened, right? What do you think the odds are? I mean, San Francisco, right? That's Nancy Pelosi's test. What do you think the odds are that she gets a primary challenge that could surprise? I, again, I don't know anything at this point about the how realistic that might be, but it would not shock me if Nancy Pelosi doesn't have to wait until the next Congress to potentially get pushed out by her constituency. But maybe even in the primary. So stand by for news. Meanwhile, Budapest. I was mentioning before the break, Uh, just back literally like just over four hours ago uh, from a trip to uh, to Europe, uh, that included stops in Vienna and Budapest. And it was one of those deals to where Vienna was the calling card of the trip and Budapest was kind of like the afterthought. So not intending to spend a lot of time there. Expectate- just, you know, we had not been there and interested to see uh, what was going on, what it was about, and ended up learning quite a bit that was uh, interesting. And unlike the people in Vienna who started out generally being unhappy and then found out that we were Americans and then really disliked us, um, <laughs> the, the folks in Budapest were generally warm, hardworking, great attitudes, surprisingly good wine country, and eh, the food, I don't know. But here's one of the things that's interesting. We tend to – when you think about the, the fall of the Soviet Union, the you know you, you think about the end of the Cold War, you don't generally think about Hungary. You don't generally think about Budapest in particular, even though Budapest is the 10th largest city in Europe. But that's just not part of the – but it, it is uh, the, the case that 30 years ago now, you had what they refer to as the change. And as part of that change and having the opportunity, it's been – Really interesting to learn and to see what's happened just over a few decades once you get away from communism and you give people a chance. And the difference, what we found out with Budapest in particular, is that you had people that saw that, hey, uh, if we have the opportunity to have a business and we can earn and, and we can do our own thing, you're, you're seeing freedom and opportunity break out. You're seeing prosperity break out. You're seeing people that are grasping it in the city reflects it. Which is refreshing, refreshing by European standards, if you're familiar. The other thing that was kind of interesting as we wade into the dynamic that is uh, Budapest. So, uh, and you know, we're walking down the street, my wife and I. have a couple of people that are talking about socialism. And as part of this conversation, these two people in front of us, one said, in socialism, it's where the people who don't work as hard as you do get to earn as much as you do. And the person said, oh of the innocence, the honesty in these conversations. So we'll tie some of this together and get your thoughts, get go to the phones coming up next right here on the Mark Levin show. I am Brian Mutt in for the great one, Mark Levin.
0: You know, our nation's oldest colleges were founded to teach students to seek truth, recognize what's beautiful and hold up what is good. But the vast majority of them have abandoned their missions, locked in the grip of political correctness, They no longer allow free and open discourse. Rejecting the idea of objective truth, they peddle moral and cultural relativism. Thankfully, none of this applies to Hillsdale College. For almost two centuries, Hillsdale has remained true to its original mission, to provide sound learning of the kind essential to preserving civil and religious liberty and intelligent piety. Now, as Hillsdale celebrates its 175th year, It remains committed to offering its students the very best liberal arts education in the land, as well as to extending its mission nationwide through its many outreach efforts on behalf of liberty. These include free online courses, the publication of its Free Speech Digest and Primus, its Kirby Center for Constitutional Studies and Citizenship in Washington, D.C., and its Barney Charter School Initiative, which is helping to establish classical K-12 charter schools Nationwide, Pursuing truth and defending liberty since 1844, this is Hillsdale College. And let me add, I think so much of Hillsdale College. I donated an original copy of a compilation of the Federalist Papers, which sit today as I speak at the Kirby Center. Hillsdale College, America's College.
1: Mark Levin, the modern voice of the Founding Fathers. This is the Mark Levin Show. Dial in now at 877-381-3811.
4: Asking American farmers to just take one for the team, I don't think is a strategy either. At least it's not a strategy that lasts. We need to make sure that this competition happens on our terms. And that we are strong enough that we can set terms that make sense on the world stage. We are currently in a position of weakness. uh, And this president keeps digging the hole deeper.
3: All right, there you go. Mayor Pete. Pete Buttigieg on the campaign trail, struggling a little bit to run South Bend, Indiana, but fear not, because Mayor Pete does have the answers for the United States. So once again, let's just do a little, uh, you know, mental mind jog real quick. Uh, So if you're China, if you're President Xi Jinping, you wanting to deal with Donald Trump for another four years, or would you like Mayor Pete? Just, just asking. If you're Vladimir, and uh, you you actually have factually walked past the point that he uh, that that President Trump is not really the Putin puppet. Who do you think that Putin would rather deal with? You think he would uh, would rather deal with him? Well, he I guess he is his friend. Uh, or or Mayor Pete? How about the uh, mullahs in Iran? Think the mullahs in Iran? Oh, here's an interesting one. What would the mullahs in Iran do? Under their form of government, with Pete Buttigieg, think about that one for a moment. And on that note, let's go to Ashley in Victoria, Texas. Ashley, welcome to the show. Go. Hey, I
5: appreciate it. I tell you what, it's not just Iran and Russia and China; it's every country in the world wants a democrat in there. We'd be back in the Paris Accord. Iran would be back in a nuclear deal with it. Would see millions of dollars, hundreds of millions. Given back to them, Syria would be able to bomb its own people without any any repercussions, and the list goes on and on. And the U.S. would no longer be energy independent, relying on on foreign oil, and we'd be right back where we were, gloating that two percent GDP growth was the new norm and a great year. And that's the reality of it, because we'd be taking. 12 years backwards, and the rest of the world will be able to just continue to do what they want to do without any repercussions.
3: That is a very clever way to get from here to there. Uh, So so on your particular point, and and this is a a teachable moment as far as they go, one of the most fascinating aspects of this cycle so far has been the willingness of the left universally as they are jockeying for position. Uh, And most of that, of course, has been on the hard left. To actually root against American interests, as Ashley, tongue-in-cheek as he happened to be, uh, was illustrating that we are energy independent. You know, one of the things that has been an an incredible difference, think about all the geopolitical stuff that's been going on. I mean, if you're listening to the show, you're going to be more informed and likely smarter than the average bear to begin with. Even if you happen to be a leftist, you're still probably more informed than the average uh, leftist that happens to be walking the the streets smoking whatever you're smoking in, in San Francisco or or whatever it is that you would like to to be doing with uh, what what a, because San Francisco just as an aside, it fascinates me because you now cannot vape there but you can smoke pot and, and and again it's just the fascination of when you just kind of make things up as you go but I digress now when we take a look at uh, the you know the interests of China are the interests of China aligned with a political interest in the United States well yes China's interests are aligned with the democratic party are the political interests of iran aligned with a political party in the united states oh yes they most certainly are it's the democrats that's fascinating isn't it, it didn't used to be that way we used to argue over policy stuff that was typically specific to our country but anymore you know the, the one thing the only thing That federal politicians, remember the only constitutional mandate at the time that this country was founded, our government had to keep us safe. No other responsibilities. Big part of the reason why we didn't have a federal income tax that was permanent until the 19-teens. Because we did a minimalist government solution to things and kept it basic and just kept it focused on things like, I don't know, keeping us safe dealing with yeah, some infrastructure stuff, all the other things that we came to argue about politically, all the social programs, not only is all of that elective, but that used to be the extent of our division in politics. It used to be America first, and not just because Donald Trump said it. But the other point about all this geopolitical stuff, you take a take a look at what's going on with China becoming more aggressive first in the South China Sea, literally creating islands on the South China Sea they putting military installations on those made-up islands. And you take a look at the added aggression with Hong Kong. You you take a look at what they've been doing from theft of intellectual property in the United States for decades. And, yes, the the currency manipulation as well. You take a look at what's been going on with Iran and how you you have the the tanker battle that's going on. Not just rhetoric anymore. It's not just the Mellors doing their "Ah, death-to-America chants. And, uh, you know, when they get together and, and uh, do whatever it is they, they do when they, they mull it together. But it's that they are willing to aff- actually take down one of our drones in international airspace. It is the willingness to confiscate a uh, English oil tanker in international waters. And the continued provocation, the provocation, little rocket man, uh, since he fires missiles again, Kim Jong-un in North Korea. The willingness of all these different things uh, to, to take place somewhat simultaneously, and then also the added aggression of, of Russia as well. If we had that much geopolitical stuff going on, and we were not energy independent in the United States, if we weren't the world's largest producer of oil, how would you be paying for gas right now? Think you'd be paying, well, whatever, what's it running? I mean, this side of Texas in California, uh, I think it's we're averaging somewhere in the neighborhood of 250, 240 uh, in, in, across the country right now. Remember the day where just a uh, mention of Iran and, you know, we would think, oh, my gosh, OPEC, and you would see, you know, a week later, gas up a dollar a gallon? Those days are gone. Why are those days gone? Well, because of energy independence. See, people think this stuff is politics, but it isn't. It impacts you every day in every way in your life. And that's why it's important to be on the right side of these issues, not just, you know, political stuff. So, Pete, I mean, the, you you talk about everything that's been going on with foreign policy and the president's foreign policy successes this side of the economy, are certainly the most important to date. As difficult as all this is, have we been more successful than not? Well, heck yeah. Because remember the red line by President Obama and how they got crossed, and then it got crossed again, and then it got crossed again by Iran? And what happened? Well, nothing. So what happened to our credibility? Well, it was trashed. So what happened? Well, well, countries at will did whatever they wanted. And as President Trump, has, tri- has truly drawn lines in the sand and has been willing to hold the line, that matters. And so what you actually have now are these countries, the leaders in these countries going, crap, this guy's serious. He's not like those those other people we could just roll on and, and not have, like, seriously, before him, right? So what are they trying to do now? Well, you have an orchestrated campaign by China, by Russia, by Iran, and others that are related to those interests. They're smaller players. They're all ganging up together. Trying to cause a bunch of problems, trying to scare investors in some cases, trying to scare other countries, trying to get people to just put their hands in their pockets and do nothing, and in trying to hurt the economy. Because the one way they can get to Donald Trump is what? Economically. Now, what do you have the left doing? What do you have Democrats in Congress doing? Are they not trying to do the exact same thing? Anyone see an issue with that? Anyway, uh, I have no doubt that well, Xi Jinping... And a summit with Mayor Pete. Whew. Man. Yeah. Right? That'll work. All right. So uh, let's go to Dwayne. Dwayne in Durango, Colorado. Dwayne, welcome to the show. Go. Brian, it's good to talk to you.
6: Thanks for filling in well for Mark. Appreciate uh, it. You, you said something at the end of the last hour about Budapest and someone being quoted as saying um, what socialism is is people that don't work as hard as you get to earn as much as you. And I would differ only in that people that don't work as hard as you pull you down to having what they have, which is less than the hard work you do. In our American exceptionalism, one of the things that makes us so different is that the value is in the effort, not in the end result. And, you know, we have we have a generation coming up with the entitlement idea that has no idea of the value of the effort. And that's what makes the United States different in so many different ways. And that's what socialism takes away from is the value of that effort.
3: Dwayne, thank you for not only listening, but being a great caller. Uh, true words have not been spoken. So if, uh, you, you missed the, uh, the, the point I was making just a little bit ago that Dwayne was referring to, my wife and I just returned from a, a trip overseas to Vienna and Budapest. And actually Budapest ended up being a real pleasant surprise. We didn't really know whole, what to expect going in and it, we, we absolutely loved it. In fact, we wish we had allocated more time for Budapest, as it turned out. Definitely a place we'd go back to. But one of the things that ended up uh, taking place while we were over there was in a very innocent conversation that took place uh, while my wife and I were walking. We just heard a couple of people in front of us talking about socialism. And usually I'm not the kind that's going to sit there and eavesdrop on conversations. But when I hear socialism and I'm over there, my ears perk up. So I'm like, I'm in. And it's a fairly young woman who is speaking to a fairly young man and so innocent. And and again, in in Budapest, they were under communism, uh, under the rule of communism until 89. They were all part of the fall of the iron curtain, cold war coming to a close. And uh, it's become a real booming area. In fact, the economy in Budapest is growing far, far faster now than their socialist neighbors, pretty much everywhere else across the EU. And uh, the, the, this explanation about what socialism is, is is taking place right in front of us, and it was the most innocent conversation I've ever heard on the topic in my life. These two young adults, and she explained that the with, with socialism because there's this conversation, right? They're trying to bring all this European socialism into Hungary and, and, and as well. So you've got this conversation, uh, you know, taking place, and, and the young young woman is explaining to the guy that you know you, socialism is where you know the 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 people who don't work as hard make as much money as you. Now, that's not really a good explanation. And I saw that this was going down so well, I wasn't going to uh, Americanize the conversation and actually explain that truthfully the difference is that the government controls the means of production, which, by the way, uh, please, 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 if you ever get into these conversations, if you don't remember anything else about socialism, remember The difference with socialism is the government controls the means of production, which means that you don't get to own the business. Government does. Controls the means of production. Uh, So I'm going to come back around to that in a second here. Uh, So on that particular note, uh, the guys seem to buy into it, and it's like, oh, okay, because they were obviously hardworking people, and we could tell that based upon their conversation, which we found to be the case in uh, Budapest generally. All right, so that being the case, um, about government controlling the means of production, one of the in socialism generally, one of the big issues that continues to play out, as people informationally are unaware, a lot of times you'll hear people talk about Scandinavia, for example, and putting a focus over there. Well, they're socialist? No, they are not. There's not one, not one Scandinavian country that is socialist, because they still have private enterprise. There's a difference, and and this is not something that is a contextual difference. It is a structural difference. If you believe in big government, that's your prerogative, I suppose. they disagree with you. But then again, I don't know who does agree with me anymore, including the president, I'm not exactly the smallest government guy out there either. But when it comes to limited government, uh, you you have a, a difference between limited government, big government conversations. In the Scandinavian countries, very big government, very socialized programs, programs, government programs. But when it comes down to business, it's still private industry, and you still have the ability to have private ownership. You still have individuals that control the means of production. You just have very high taxes that pay for the very large government programs. So, no, those are not socialist countries. You want socialism in its truest form? I did this. Maybe uh, yeah, I might have time through the course of tonight's show to revisit some. I notes actually did a, a show, filling in for the Great One, uh, many months ago that broke down. The... Uh, 20 plus countries around the world that are true socialist governments right now and the average person earning under ten thousand dollars per year in them because, yes, that is what socialism does. It brings you down to that lowest point. But the difference is, again, government, government controlling the means of production. And that's something we don't teach as you have someone like the burn uh, that is preaching democratic socialism. And it's something that needs to be uh, that we should all be mindful of as we are in a world today where we're looking to the right and the Democratic Party to find Nancy Pelosi because the only thing to the left is indeed playing around with Democratic Socialism. I've said for a long time, I'm based in South Florida, that ultimately um, I, I believe that it's going to be some of the uh, Hispanic immigrants, legal immigrants, that have escaped socialism. They're going to help save this country from the people who don't know what it is. Maybe we can just import some Hungarians as well because they seem definitely seem to get it. I'm Brian Mudd. In for the great one. Mark Levin.
0: Every human being has a common problem. How do I live well? Our happiness and well-being depends on how we answer that question. Hillsdale College President Larry Arne argues that the best book ever written on this subject is Aristotle's Nicomachean Ethics. And a new free online course from Hillsdale College shares Aristotle's teachings, that will help you lead the most complete, happy life possible. Register for this free course, Introduction to Aristotle's Ethics, How to Lead a Good Life, featuring lessons from the greatest self-help book ever written at levinforhillsdale.com. In just 10 on-demand videos, each only 30 minutes long, you'll learn how to confront the chief obstacles to happiness and make the choices that build good character. Aristotle presents a guide for securing a virtuous life. And if you take this free course from Hillsdale and heed Aristotle's advice, your life will change for the better. You can learn how to lead a good life just as every Hillsdale College student does. It's yours for free at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com.
4: Obviously, we got to rejoin Paris. Uh, but to me, we shouldn't just be looking at the Paris Climate Accord. I would convene a Pittsburgh Climate Summit of American cities and states that have already been doing a lot of the leading work on this.
3: There you go, Mayor Pete, struggling to run South Bend, but uh, has the solutions for the United States and the world. He would hold his uh, Pittsburgh Climate Accord, I, I, I suppose. All the answer. Now, we were just talking about, it's Brian Muddy, and for the great one, Mark Levin, and we are just talking about socialized programs and socialism generally I'm talking about uh, my trip over to europe including uh, vienna and budapest and some of the innocence of some of the individuals there as they learn and talk about socialism it's not the same type of conversation that we have in this country often you know people I, speaking of the the Paris Climate Accord. this is funny so we're in vienna just outside the city and there's a, a mountain biking uh deal that we're doing and I, it was quite a bit of fun i'd never done an e-bike before an electric bike and uh that that was a little bit of an experience but uh i, I tried to do it to like the the manly way i, I like to think i'm in shape so let was doing the bike and well the, then before long i was using the e-bike features to go uphill quite a bit but anyway we we get to the top we're talking about uh you know some of what goes on there and the weather and everything is pretty warm day and uh talking about snowfall and one of the people in our group asked about the snowfall, and they said, "Well, not as much anymore because climate change. <laughs> what? just so it doesn't snow much in Vienna anymore because of climate change. I mean it's just, and it's just fact, just fact. Uh, so anyway, uh, now, started out the hour uh, talking about some of the headlines today, one of which they hate Israel they hate Israel. Israel considers blocking Omar and Talib, which has happened. all right, so we have seen. Uh, that uh, israel prime minister benjamin netanyahu has decided to invoke a now two-year-old law that allows any supporter of the bds movement to be blocked from coming into the country but is that necessarily the best idea it's not as easy as it may seem and we'll discuss the implications of this decision and the president's advocacy of it coming up next i am brian mudd in for the great one mark levin
1: is here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark
2: Levin. There have even been some who suggested that I stay in Texas and run for Senate, but that would not be good enough for this community, that would not be good enough for El Paso, that would not be good enough for this country. We must take the fight directly to the source of this problem, that person who has caused this pain and placed this country in this moment of peril, and that is Donald Trump.
3: Oh, it borders on the you're not believable as a person on this planet uh, conversation. The, the reboot, the third reboot of one Robert Francis O'Rourke, a Democrat for president. I don't know if it was his speechwriter, him or both. You would think there might be some. Well, maybe he doesn't have a campaign advisor that's left. That would go, "Uh, hey, uh, hey, Beto. Uh, you realize that you literally just said that the Senate is not good enough for you. No, he he yes he he did it by suggesting that the the Senate's not good enough for for El Paso. But yeah, he's he's saying that it's not good enough to uh, represent you as a senator in Texas. No, no, it's it's president or not. And remember, the whole reason that Robert Francis O'Rourke is rebooting again. It is in part because of his commentary, like oh, I was it the, the Vanity Fair magazine or whatever it was, uh, early this year where he said that he was born for this, that he was born to, to be president. Uh, that guy is, uh, you know, the one thing he is is consistent. He is consistent. That, and he looks like he's about as incompetent at changing tires as I am. If you have any doubts about that, just ask my dad. My dad actually had me do that one time. And uh, when his uh, tire uh, fell off, not a mile down the road, never asked me to do that again. I just looking at the the technique by Robert Francis O'Rourke, uh, it would seem to be ill-advised just as an aside. That along with looking inside his mouth while he's having dentistry done and his, his haircuts. But anyway, uh, it is your friend hanging out here in South Florida, West Palm Beach, uh, Brian Mudd. I host a morning show, The Morning Rush. W-J-N-O, West Palm Beach, then I slide on over to the Brian Mudd Show, which is uh, 10 to noon Eastern, W-I-O-D in Miami. It is always, always an honor and a pleasure to be right here with you, filling in for the great one, Mark Levin. Although, it is unfortunate that the great one is a little under the weather tonight, uh, but uh, he will be resting up and ready and rearing. And you know, anytime the great one has any pause in the action, I mean, it's like the buildup happens. You can actually start to see it on Twitter, by the way. You know, it, you, you, you follow, uh, you know, at Mark Levin Twitter and, and you see the great one and he starts, you know, the the, the tweets start coming like every 15 minutes. It's kind of like the president, only it's like brilliance in motion. And then he finally gets back to the mic and it's boom. So anyway, uh, once he gets back, it, it will be uh, fantastic as always. Now, speaking of Twitter, you may also follow me at Brian Mudd Radio on Twitter. Someone asked me recently, uh, you don't necessarily tweet a whole lot, do you? Um, I don't necessarily put a bunch of tweets, no, but I respond to a bunch of people. I like to use Twitter as a way to be able to interact with you, with an audience. And so as you tweet to me, uh, I do um, respond to most people that actually are talking to me rather than you know doing some of the other Twitter things that can be done. Now, uh, aside from Robert Francis O'Rourke and his reboot and his tire changing skills, which are questionable at best, I referenced before the break that uh, the, the BDS movement, Something we do need to take seriously, probably at this point, more seriously than than uh, you know. So the the BDS situation is very real in that it's not just it's not just that it, you have a, an effort that's underway to try to boycott Israel. That's nothing new, right? Well, it's that y- you have actual representatives in the United States Congress that are supportive of it. That's new and that's different, right? With representatives Omar and Tlaib. Well, it's not just that you have rhetorical support by representatives Omar and Taleb. It's that you actually have a hard proposal. Hard proposal. In the United States House of Representatives, think about this for a moment, you have pen that's been put to paper that is calling for the actual boycott, the actual joining by the United States, proposed legislation to boycott Israel. Now, that is dramatic. Now, the media, most pervasive foreign bias being omission, most people don't know this. I bet you the majority of the constituents of Omar and Tlaib don't even know that they, there's an actual pro- proposal uh, sitting before one Nancy Pelosi to be considered to boycott Israel. It, isn't it remarkable that the news media will grant the legitimacy to AOC and company, Omar and Tlaib being part of the squad, grant them the legitimacy that has allowed them the platform that has allowed them to get away with all of this kind of activity that never would have been tolerated previously, The news media is willing to support that. Think about that one for a moment. I, it's a fascinating turn of, of events that's been playing out over the course of time. As you literally will see that your news media, which is predictably left, in conjunction with your leftist, which are even further left than they've been in the democratic party before are allied against anything that opposes the president, which means now we oppose Israel, which is how we arrive at this moment. Now the question that becomes what happened today? So there had been this conversation as representatives Omar and Tlaib were uh, looking to make this trip to Israel. Well, well, should they be allowed to do it now The reason this is actually taking place is fascinating in a couple respects. It's important to know your history. We're talking about socialism last hour to a certain extent. People don't appreciate what they have until they don't. And people in this country have no clue, by and large, what socialism is unless they've come from a country where they escaped it. You want to know socialism, like to Venezuela, for example. But here's something else that a lot of people don't necessarily understand or appreciate. There are currently 195 countries around this world, 195 countries, right? How many actually have free speech? I mean, like, truly, you have freedom of of expression the way that we recognize the United States, something akin to it. You got a number in your head? 195 countries. How many have more or less and, and more than less freedom of expression? Got it? It's 20. 20 countries have 195. Very few people realize that most places around the world you go, there are certain things you say, you you go to jail. Some cases, you never come out. So in that context, here we are, and you have Israel. Now, a couple years ago, they actually passed a uh, law that said anybody who is part of the BDS movement can be banned from entering Israel which is why you do have a couple members of Congress that are actually being rejected at this point. It's not just activism, even within the Israeli structure of government by Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. It is actually based in law, a law that was passed just two years ago, before it was foreseen that you would have members of Congress proposing the BDS movement and the United States Congress, Omar and But here's the question that comes into play. So let's mentally explore this for a second. Is Israel banning representatives Omar and Tlaib from visiting at the request of President Trump? Based on their BDS support, is this the right thing to do? Is freedom of speech something that we should be worried about? Not just in this country, but in Israel. Something else that came to mind as I was weighing this this morning. What if the political tables are turned? This is something I always worry about, and we, we have a real issue, and it's human nature. It's not like it's something specific to us uh, of recency bias. We always feel as though anything that's going on right now today is more important than at any time previous because it's what we're living today. So right now today it is to us, right? But the truth be told. Most circumstances are almost never as dire today as they ever were previously. Like, for example, the aforementioned climate change stuff. I'll refer you again to the three mass extinction events as people are freaking out that we just had the hottest, uh, what was it, July? I think they said that was the hottest July on record. Well, we've only been measuring since 1880. I'm guessing one of the mass extinction events that happened due to extreme heat was hotter. I know we weren't around to record it, but I think it was hotter. And by the way, we weren't here to make it happen. Unless, you know, it was the... Uh, alien astronaut uh, theorists that uh, that were right about it. So I don't, but we've had three mass extinction events before humans were even here. So reconcile that one if you think all climate change is because of you and me. But when we're taking a look at this whole BDS thing and the recency bias that's associated with it, it's easy to sit there and go, okay, so the BDS thing is a really bad deal. We should not be behind it. So yeah, go ahead and, and keep Omar and Tlaib from visiting Israel and have the President of the United States doing it. But... Could you see a scenario where the next time you have a Democrat who is president, which will happen almost certainly, what what then? What might they do if we travel down this path? We already see what happens to conservatives and how we're silenced and the efforts that are undertaken in many communities to try to lock us out to where you don't have freedom of expression. Let me ask you something. We we do have freedom of speech. We do have freedom of expression in this country, right? But do you always feel free in this country to use it? Have you wanted to put a political sticker on your car but not done it? Not because you didn't want to put it there on your car, but because you're worried about the implications? Have you ever thought about putting a political sign in your yard but didn't because you're worried that something might happen to You, your family, you get my point? Now, what happens if the president of the United States is advocating to a certain extent that interaction? Israel's a different country than the United States. By the way, in the grand scheme of the countries around the world, they are on the more side of freedom of expression over there. In fact, a number of years ago, after uh, when they were building their wall, Uh, Part of a program called America's Voices in Israel. We learned a lot uh, having the opportunity to broadcast uh, in Israel. And as part of the broadcast, one of the things that was interesting to learn was how much effort was taken on to preserve the culture of those that historically had opposed them. Including, yes, those that were Palestinian inside lawfully the Israel. Those that were Muslims inside Israel. How much respect for the culture uh, there there was the level of education everything else that would be specific to them there there are so many different I, I think misunderstandings that go into play about that dynamic learning and experiencing it is interesting but uh, that is changing with this particular situation on one hand you could say yeah if you have Omar and Talib going into Israel they they might radicalize an element. And create problems inside of Israel. True. On the other hand, you could say that what they're really doing is beginning to end dissent at that level of speech. And that has implications that uh, could end up coming back to bite all of us. So interested in hearing from you. We'll end up going to the phones here in just a little bit. And I uh, would love to hear your thoughts about whether or not you think it's a good idea to have Israel blocking Omar and Talib. We're uh, just getting going. And speaking about media bias, we'll talk about that and the other side as well. I'm Brian Mudd, and for the great one. Mudd Lovin.
0: With a daily fake news dump pouring through your TV, mobile phones and computers, you may have missed some real news like the recent study in the journal Cell Metabolism. It helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. This is real food, not some fake supplement lab powder. Just read the nutrition facts panel on the side. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com, that's BrickHouseLevin.com, and you'll get 15% off your first order with the offer code LEVIN. You know you're not going to start cooking fresh fruits and vegetables, so let's not pretend. Just get one full cup of fruits and one full cup of vegetables every day with Field of Greens. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com, BrickHouseLevin.com, offer code LEVIN.
2: We have a Congress too craven to act, a democracy not up to the task, that favors those who can pay for access and influence and outcomes, the complicity and the silence of those who are in positions of public trust. And that's exactly what has happened here in this country.
3: <laughs> I, mean, oh, I wonder if his wife even takes him seriously. I mean, <laughs> he totally falls into the, you are not believable as a human on this planet. Congress is too craven. Who talks like that? Congress is too craven? (laughs) Oh, my gosh. And I say, was that Robert Francis O'Rourke's speechwriter? Him? Is he a speechwriter? I mean, but what goes on there? I mean, this is his third reboot. Maybe now, the, the third reboot, you're supposed to sound more presidential, so... I will use words like craven. I, um, so uh, this side of, of things that do need to be taken seriously, like the BDS movement, it's underway. We're talking about the situation with Israel banning, banning the two BDS supporters in Congress, the two strongest, Omar and Talib from, from coming over there, whether or not it's necessarily a good idea. Now, if you're talking about from a political perspective, yeah, it probably is something that is, it plays well here in the States. But the one thing, big concern I have about this, we have a case of taking a look at the issue rather than the implications. I'm Brian Mudden for The Great One, Mark Levin, and one of the things I talked about is the premise. that the premise of anything is false, anything built on it is too. We have a real, I'll I'll use a a word that's not necessarily as obscure as Craven, but uh, dearth. We have a dearth of analytical thought that takes place in this country and also constitutional understanding that goes into play. We have 195 countries around the world. We have 20, 20 that have essentially true freedom of expression to where you can say most things without having to worry about going to jail. Uh, or worse, as the case may be, that's not many, right? I mean, that's a pretty big deal, pretty big deal. And so when we're starting to talk about two of the countries, including the most important when it comes to freedom of expression hours, when you start talking about an effort to limit that freedom of expression, even if it's an issue that the president is absolutely right about, even if it's an issue the Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu is absolutely right about, What are the implications? Could we be taking a look at a situation where whomever the next Democrat is that's present decides they want to start emphasizing with our uh, foreign adversaries or our friends policy positions based on freedom of expression? Who may visit a particular country based upon freedom of expression? Whether or not we might be welcome in a particular state due to freedom of expression? one of the things I remember, several years ago, Cuomo, also known as uh, Fredo, right? Is that uh, I am just back from overseas, but I'm pretty sure that he's truly Fredo now. Uh, anyway, so, um, no, that's the other Cuomo. Kidding, kidding, CNN. <clears throat> so, Governor Cuomo, uh, several years ago in New York, the other Fredo, uh, he ended up uh, saying that, you know, any if you believe... Uh, if you do not believe in a woman's right to choose, you are not welcome in New York. You know, something to that effect. And I will never forget being amazed at just here. You have governor, one of the largest states in the country that is saying, if you do not see the world the way I do on the issue of abortion, you don't have no business being here. You know, what was interesting is that that was so overt. I remember. My wife and I were taking a look and making a visit to uh, to Cooperstown. I'm a big Braves fan. I grew up in suburban Atlanta, and uh, it was one of the, a few years ago when you had uh, some of the Braves are being inducted. We were taking a look at going up Cooperstown. He, he ended up saying that I said screw it, forget it. Let's not do it. We're not welcome there, so uh, you know, take our money elsewhere. The Point is, it, there are already roots of here. You don't feel like you can have free political expression in your own community, your own home. It's already here. What happens if we embrace them? Seeing that conversation, we'll go to the folks get some of your thoughts on all of this. Coming up next, I am Brian Mudd. in for the great one, Mark. Yeah!
0: 833-RING-BHN. Get 15% off your first order with promo code LEVIN. That's L E V I N dot ncom or call 833-RING-BHN, promo code LEVIN.
1: Some people talk about the Tea Party. We are the Tea Party. Call in now, 877-381-3811. I'm kind of hoping I can get this
3: behind me, but uh, I'd been getting better for a long time. But I had uh, worsening pulmonary symptoms, and then the x-rays and the CAT scan was showing that the damaged area of the lung was actually showing up in a larger fashion and growing. And uh, the decision was made that uh, the only way to get to the bottom of it, to see exactly what the problem was and to fix it, was to remove part of the lung. Well, the uh, issues we're going to get into in just a little bit. Situation uh, in the wake of the shootings in Dayton, in El Paso. The attempts to politicize what looks like some really awful work by a district attorney. Oh, and the other one, too, which actually happens to deal with Epstein. But I'm talking about the shooting in Philadelphia. Because the gun charges that the perpetrator in the shooting in Philadelphia... The, uh, that individual actually had all the gun charges dropped. Had he had those charges, actually pursued by the district attorney previously, guess what? Probably would not have been around to be able to commit the atrocity against the police officers. But then the message becomes gun control. you got a little issue if you don't actually enforce the laws that you already have on the books. Just saying. And yes, the Palm Beach County district attorney is the real Mr. Who, when it comes to, uh, not Dr. Who, Mr. Who, when it comes to the whole Epstein situation going all the way back. And we'll uh, dive into that a little bit coming up next hour. Brian Mudd in for the great one, Mark Levin. Now, one of the things to talk about, media bias. One of my sayings, most pervasive form of bias in news media is omitting information. Real heroes, real heroes, I mean, it's incredible, these folks, the work they do and have done for years. Newsbusters, the Media Research Center, these guys are amazing. I use their work on a regular basis in part because they sit there and this is what they do. They, they study that everything that's going on in, in news media. For example, over 90% of news coverage of the Trump administration has been negative, over 90%. Now, the only way none of us would ever be able to come up with that information except that the Media Research Center, Newsbuster, this is what they do. This is what they do. They study it, and they're able to disseminate back to us. You know, you have other organizations like you know, Media Matters that try to silence us, that try to shut us down. You know, Years ago, you had uh, Landmark Legal Foundation that the great one still heads, and they became a necessity after the Reagan administration, taking on organizations that are anything but what they uh, pretend to be, like the ACLU. So you get the Landmark Legal Foundation that's out there that's fighting uh, for, for freedom, for liberty, for a constitution. Well, the, the Media Research Center is the answer for those who try to silence folks on the right. They tell the truth. And so since we are never, we are never going to have a chance uh, in this country – If we're shut down, imagine if conservative voices, where we operate today, imagine if they didn't exist anymore. Talked about freedom of expression earlier this hour. How rare it is. 195 countries in the world. 195 in 20, only 20, have freedom of expression. Talked about whether or not even in the United States we do anymore. I mentioned Governor Cuomo saying, hey, you know, if you – you uh, don't believe in, in uh, the abortion the way that I do, then you're not even welcome in New York. You don't share our values. we don't want you here. How's that working out for you by the way? How many more people continue to leave New York and your values and your taxes come to states like mine in Florida? But it gets even more local than that. You don't have to be in New York. It might just be in your car, in your neighborhood. Well, it's time to to make a stand, and the Media Research Center is here to help all of us. Since they are fighting the left, they are holding the news media accountable. They are out there studying and fighting back. Tell you something that you can put on your car. Talked about uh, whether or not you thought twice about a bumper sticker. Well, got a free new bumper sticker that can make a tremendous difference from the Media Research Center. The bumper sticker says, the media loves socialism. And you can get one for free right now by going to MRCsticker.com. That's MRCsticker.com, MRCsticker.com right now. Again, it's free, and these folks, the Media Research Center, the folks at Newsbusters, they are heroes for those of us that are voices on the right. Okay, so talking about uh, the... A BDS situation. want to get some of your thoughts and uh, talk uh, about freedom of expression as well and whether or not it, it even still exists in, in this country. Let's go to Manesh in Queens. Manesh, welcome to the show. Go.
4: Hi, Brian. I, I'm
7: enjoying you subbing in for the great one today. Thank you. But I have to, but I have to tell you that I, I disagree with you on, on this issue. Uh, I don't think this, Israel banning Talib and Omar has anything to do with, with a free speech issue. Um, these are individuals first of all they 're not citizens of the State of Israel, and every country has the right, just like we have here in the United States, we have the right to keep undesirables out of our country they 're only going there under the guise of a congressional trip to make trouble um, these are These are not just individuals who are stating a point of view and they 're certainly free to state that point of view whenever they want and they have, they generally have a very loud megaphone to do that as they're uh, darlings of the media, they're part of this. Uh, I call them the fraud squad. Um, <laughs> I like uh, you know, that. they're. they're... The fraud squad. You, you could use it too, um, and just give me credit. That's all. But the fraud squad, and, and uh, they, they, you know, they're the darlings of the media, and they're promoted. They're they're the rising stars on the left. So they, no one's suppressing anything that they're saying. They're, they're able to spew their lies and venom twenty four seven, and they have a you know a willing and uh, fatuous media that promotes them. But they're not citizens of the state of Israel. They have no right to be there. They they you know Israel has is a right as any yep. other country to ban undesirables. And what so, they're Therefore, these are these are not just people stating opinions, these are people who are connected directly with terrorists and terrorists who want to destroy the state of Israel, murder the citizens of the state of Israel, and also kill Jews around the world, which is a, which is a stated uh, purpose of Hamas. And so these are dangerous individuals. They're likely would go there and they would you know, they every they constantly have what they call Pallywood, the uh the yeah,
3: so, so let me, I'm picking up what you're putting down, and, and by the way, we're, we are pretty much on the same page. For me, though, it's the implication, so let's take a step back for a second, and quite directly, Israel did pass a law just two years ago that stated that anyone who is a supporter of the BDS movement can be denied entry into the country, so whether they happen to be members of Congress or not, you're absolutely correct that this is not a free speech issue, this specific blocking of the two of them the free speech issue so to speak for israel was when they passed that law two years ago this is the enforcement of that particular law it just happens to be the first time at least in the public eye it's been used and it also is not necessarily specific to the united states uh since we are talking about israel and what they did to potentially rein in those that they did not want their country because yes i would agree that they are aligned with what ultimately is a potentially a terrorist movement, but then again, they're representatives in the United States Congress. If they're attached to a terrorist movement, that raises other questions about what we're doing in this country. But what I want to put in front of you: see, this is my question. You have President Trump that is advocating for the blocking of them. And Manesh, uh, would you be concerned if, say, for example, um, who 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 do you fear the most of the Democratic presidential candidates? Which one concerns you the most?
7: Oh, I, I think that they're, they're all about as equally um, evil. I, I don't think any one of them would do anything different. Okay. I don't think I fear any one of them. So, I think Elizabeth Warren is probably the one who's going to be the right. candidate, but that's my opinion. But.
3: So let me take Elizabeth Warren for a moment, and let's say that she decides that uh, she does not want anyone to go to a particular country. That happens to adhere to a particular political philosophy. Let's say that if you happen to be a registered Republican, I'm just making this up, but it's you know just to illustrate a point. Uh, would you want the president of the United States, uh, if it were our uh, our, our friend, uh, you know the the uh, former Native American, uh, the, w- would you want her to advocate other countries blocking our entrance because of our political views? Or do you, does that not concern you?
7: I think that what's going on here is, first of all, in terms of presidents, when Obama was president, there was there was, he was welcoming the Muslim Brotherhood into the White House. There was sure a, enough. I was like, there was a kid, a seventeen-year-old kid, who had a joint U.S. and so-called Palestinian citizenship, and was caught throwing fire bombs, trying to murder people. And when the Israeli police apprehended him, he resisted arrest. They roughed him up. Obama invited him to the White House and celebrated him. So I mean, there this is. It, it, you know, there's different presidents have already show, obviously shown their preference, and Trump is a wonderful, God bless him for being who he is. He's great for our country and great for Israel. I think Trump said what he said. Because Israel initially said they were going to let these two miscreants in, because they didn't want to offend the, anybody, because they are members of Congress. Even though like Omar probably isn't even legitimately a citizen, she shouldn't even be in Congress. But it's another issue. But um, you know, so they were originally going to let um, them in because they didn't want to insult Congress. And Trump basically was just kind of giving Netanyahu a pat on the back and saying, "Listen, you know, you got, I got your back if you want to All get right. these troublemakers out." yeah okay. so it's it's a, it's a unique situation and i think that it's not even a matter of you know uh, i think if we get a democrat in that, that would be the least of our concerns the <laughs> democrat president is whether they're going to you know give a give the uh, you know a signal to some other country to keep conservatives on i think they um, we would have plenty of our freedoms already uh, suppressed here within the country.
3: All right, pr- appreciate Manesh, and, and by the way, the, the Fraud Squad—that is something that uh, will be uh, front and center. Just remember, uh, you may use Fraud Squad, but it's Manesh in Queens that uh, you, you must uh, attribute that phrase to. I uh, assuming that he is the uh, the uh, creator of, of said phrase, but that's pretty fra- Fraud Squad. Uh, let's go to Jake in Indianapolis. Jake, welcome to the show. Go.
4: Hi, Brian. I just wanted to say uh, thank you for all that you do. You're awesome every time that you fill in for Mark.
3: God bless you. Um,
4: I wanted to backtrack just really quickly um, to when you were rightly uh, laughing at uh, Robert O'Rourke uh, for his choice of words. You remember he used that word craven? He said specifically uh, <laughs> yes. something to the effect of we have a Congress too craven to act in yes. regard to gun control,
3: right? Yes. Wasn't that it? So did you uh, were you the person who worked that into a speech?
4: <laughs> no, I didn't write it for him. I swear I didn't. So I mean, you know, he didn't. But I yes. guess what I'm what I'm trying to point out is um that use the use of that word craven is it's very specific and it's, it's it paints a really gr- mental image that the left would love to paint in the minds of swing voters that there's this entire half of our Congress that is too af- afraid of and beholden to uh, the financial campaign donation interests of, namely the NRA, to do anything of substance regarding, you know, this violence that we've had, um, and I don't want to say due to guns, but the, the, frankly the violence that we've had here in our country recently, they would love that for that to be the argument. What we need to, what conservatives I think need to learn to do is to speak, use those ten dollars words like craven. We we know those words too. Okay, it's it's ridiculous to say that to accuse Congress of being too craven to act on gun control. The fact of the matter is, one half of Congress is completely ideologically opposed to what would be best for America. We have completely well, different conceptions of what of what that would look like. And I, I Jake, really, you
3: you are right on point. Uh, and so early in the show. I tried to illustrate that point by having uh, you think about for a moment what China wants to see happen in 2020, what they're trying to orchestrate with the economy, with their, their provocation, in every respect. Who is it that China is cheering for? Are they cheering for Donald Trump to win re-election or any Democrat? Oh, who is it different. that uh, ultimately we, we are seeing Russia and Iran cheer for? Is it Donald Trump? Or is it any Democrat? And it goes right in line to your point, which is uh, the illustration that Democrats have aligned themselves with those that oppose us around the world, those that oppose freedom around the world. There are two sides to stories, one side of facts. That happens to be one of them, and I agree. You could actually do pretty good campaign ads that people actually understand because I have a feeling that the majority of the constituents, if Beto has any left – the majority of his constituents probably don't even know the, what the word means. But aside from making me laugh, uh, because that makes him part of what is not believable of being a person on this planet, let alone a candidate that's to be taken seriously for president. The one thing about Craven is it makes me think of Raven, which makes me think of Edgar Allan Poe, who's one of my faves. So that's also another bonus. I'm Brian Mudd, and for The Great One. Mud Lovin'.
0: Go to BrickHouseLevin.com, BrickHouse, L-E-V-I-N.com, offer code LEVIN.
2: As for the assailant, he sustained multiple gunshot wounds of his torso and upper and lower extremities. The wounds were sustained above and to the side of the body armor plates. A pipe device was found in his pocket with an attached clear plastic baggie that has been determined to contain cocaine. And the assailant's cavity blood sample was found to contain cocaine,
3: alprazolam, and ethanol. That the voice of one Dr. Kent Harshbarger describing the condition, the situation involving the Dayton shooter. And over the next hour, we're going to wade into the conversation about what happened in Dayton, El Paso, these uh, cops that were shot—and be it by the grace of God—look like they're going to recover in Philadelphia. The effort to politicize gun control and what really is going on in this country. Going back to the point that what it really has changed, what is different—it's a topic that we've discussed uh, on a couple of occasions, as I have uh, been given the opportunity to fill in for the great one over the past couple of years. And I'm going to pull in a couple of those elements along with some updated information for you. That's interesting that I think ties into why our society is different. What's activating people given that mental health is not uh, something that has eh, really evolved a whole lot, right? I mean, people have had mental health issues far longer than the past 20 or so years. You take a look at, situation with guns, we had fully automatic weapons, fully automatic weapons that were legal in the United States until the mid-80s. We didn't have situations quite like what we see these days, right? So what has changed? What is broken in our society? What is changing? And it's complicated. There are likely many different things to pull together, but we're going to dive into it and talk about factual information that ties it all together, that speaks to a, a broader condition that has nothing that will be fixed by passing whatever the next gun control measure is that whomever wants, but also how effective the less has been at politicizing, politicizing the issue on gun control. All right, now, a uh, message for you, something that could uh, be important to you. A few things in life can change your entire outlook on the day. You know, there, there are things like, for example, the boss. You get a call from your boss asking you to work this weekend. That that changes things quite a bit, right? <laughs> that could ruin your day. Or how about when that check engine light comes on? That really is the worst feeling, isn't it? I guess the only thing worse is just your car actually stopping. But that check engine light, so that usually means that you have a lot of money out of pocket, thousands of dollars repairs. And that's why you need car shield. Car shield makes the process of fixing your car for a covered repair super, super easy. You can have your favorite mechanic or or dealership do the work. It's your choice, your choice. They don't sit there and go, you have to use this one. And you're going, who is this guy? Even a mechanic? No, you got to take it where you want to. They do the work. They also provide CarShield 24-7 roadside assistance and a rental car while yours is being fixed. And it's all for free. CarShield administrators have paid out close to $2 billion in claims, and they're ready to help you. So don't let your check engine light ruin your day or ruin your life instead get covered with carshield call 800 car 6000 and mention the code levin or visit carshield.com and use code levin to save 10% that's carshield.com code levin or call 800 car 6000 and mention code levin deductible may apply All right, coming up, we are going to talk about the shooting in Philadelphia, the six police officers, the situation with Dayton and El Paso and gun control. That's next. I'm Brian Mudd, in for the great one, Mark Levin. He's here. He's
1: here. Now broadcasting from, from the underground command post. ...deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker... ...somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building... ...we've once again made contact with our leader...
5: ...Mark Levin. So I say to our state and federal lawmakers... ...step up or step aside. Help our police officers, help our clergy, and help our kids. And if you choose not to help us, then get out of the way... ...and allow cities like Philadelphia that struggle with gun violence... To enact their own solutions.
3: That is the disgusting human being known as Jim Kenney, the mayor of Philadelphia. The disgusting human being known as Jim Kenney, mayor of Philadelphia, because the disgusting human being Jim Kenney of uh, Philadelphia not only chose to politicize something that has no basis in being politicized, but also decided to try to put the blame on those that are legislating in Congress. Not only over the shooter, but over the own stinking D.A. in Philadelphia. You know, you have to have a lack of any kind of, not just morality, but any kind of sense of right and wrong compunction generally to pull off the crap that the awful human being known as Jim Kenny, mayor of Philadelphia, happens to be. Because when you have a district attorney that chose not to pursue gun charges when this guy was arrested on Lord knows how many, I started going through the alleged shooter of the uh, six Philadelphia police officers. So, And, and it's like, oh my gosh, I, I was working as I was coming back from European trip and I'm trying to get up on details i'm like uh, i it's not even worth going through all this stuff I'm like oh my gosh there, there's so much here and then you take a look at what he was actually prosecuted for because the district attorney in philadelphia chose not to pursue gun charges so let me ask you jim Kenney, disgusting mayor of philadelphia if we have more gun laws but they're not enforced do they matter Question, so will you be honest, Jim Kenney, mayor of Philadelphia, and all you other hypocrites, bigots, dishonest individuals that are trying to use any opportunity to achieve a separate political objective? Will you acknowledge that it doesn't matter if you pass new laws, if you have a district attorney in your own city who chooses not to prosecute them? Unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. You are unbelievable, Jim Kenney, mayor of Philadelphia. But he wasn't alone. He just happens to preside over the city that has the district attorney that is the reason why those six police officers were shot. If we're into blaming something other than the person who actually shot them. Because, you know, it's the gun's fault. It's not the the person. (sighs) By the way. I am uh, your friend, hangs out in South Florida, broadcasting from a studio in West Palm Beach. Brian Mudd, do the morning rush, now in uh, West Palm Beach. Then, uh, an hour later, I end up doing a, a show from 10 until noon Eastern, the Brian Mudd Show, WIOD in Miami. I am a, a guest contributor to the Fox News Channel and the BBC. And uh, it's always an honor and a pleasure to be right here with you. Filling in for the great one, Mark Levin. You may find all my material. I've got various different uh, channels, including my iHeart channel, The Brian Mudd Show, and you may find me on Twitter at Brian Mud Radio. And I use that to respond to a lot of listeners. This side of profanity, I make it a point to try to get back to everybody. All right, now, the gun control thing. I already was diving into this pretty extensively based upon El Paso and Dayton. But then this Philadelphia police shooting situation came up, and it kind of put a different spin and a different dynamic on it, including the momentum that's going on. One of the things I did, I actually was putting together this research about, I don't know, a little over a week and a half ago before I went on my trip, and it, it still applies. So I'm in South Florida, and you're going to recall, about a year and a half ago, there was a shooting, Valentine's Day, Parkland, Florida, Marjorie Stillman Douglas, and Being down here in South Florida, broadcasting to many of the families, many of the the folks that were impacted, regular listeners, my local shows, and kind of feeling the the sense of what was going on, I I ended up mentioning at the time, like two days later, this time felt different. It felt like a, a moment where something was going to change in Florida. And the first thing to know about Florida, if you're not familiar with Florida politics, Republicans run the entire state. They did them. They still do today. So you had Republican state legislature and Republican governor, happens to be a senator now, Rick Scott, who were the ones leading the effort in ultimately passing comprehensive gun control in Florida, raised the age, age to purchase to 21, instituted red flag laws, among other things, man bum stocks and that type of deal. So all that came into place under Republican control in our state because there was the political will generally for it. One of the ways I went about illustrating it, because I talk about there being two sides to stories but one side of facts, I like credible information but unemotional credible information. For example, if you have a tragedy that happens, in the immediate aftermath, you're liable to get a skewed result. Remember, for example, you know, somebody like after 9-11, President Bush at that point had an approval rating like a week later that was in the high 90 percent range. Right. I mean, it ended up abating relatively quickly. Um, It stayed high for quite some time, well, over a year after 9-11. But the idea is you tend to get emotional reactions. We ask questions in the middle of incredible emotion. So. When you're talking about what happened in Dayton and what happened in El Paso and all the politicalization of of an issue like gun control, you, you might get some skewed results. I like going to a window of time between events. And in the case of Florida, I pulled what the average Floridian wanted in terms of gun laws prior to that attack having happened. And as it turned out, every last one of those items were included in what ended up passing in this state. It was the will before the event happened. The event became the catalyst to get the change brought about. So on that note, and don't kill the messenger here, but it's important that you're aware of where the country is. And we talk a lot about the media and how the most pervasive form of biased news media is omission. But also you do have the real indoctrination that takes place, right? I mean, we do have in the case of Jim Kenney, the disgusting mayor of Philadelphia, someone who is actually suggesting that Congress not acting on gun control is the reason that six Philadelphia police officers were shot. Even though the man who shot the Philadelphia police officers had been run up on numerous gun charges that he was not prosecuted for previously. Disgusting mayor of Jim Kenney, mayor of Philadelphia. You might want to talk to your own district attorney. Mm. But Anyway. So with people that are disgusting human beings like that that want to misinform you out there, we have a lot of people that are misinformed, a lot of people that already had the political will to want to see change. So I pulled accredited research from earlier this year between mass shooting events so we would have a normal temperature read on what the average American would like to see in terms of the gun control argument. And here is where we stood. Sixty-nine percent thought that we should strengthen existing gun laws. So here's the first thing to know. More than two thirds of Americans are already there. Do think that we're nothing is not the answer. Without catalyst like El Paso, without catalysts like Dayton, the Philadelphia thing, again, don't man oh man gets me fired up. Now, with more than two thirds thinking we should do so, what should we do? So, I took a look at everything that had about two thirds or more support. So, everything I'm getting ready to mention to you has anywhere from 64 to 87% support. Okay. Anywhere from 64 to 87% support prior to these events having happened. You ready for what they are? 64% banning online ammo sales. Okay. Next up, banning quote unquote assault weapons. Now, that one, to me, illustrates a point greater than anything else about where people are informationally on this topic. Because, of course, anyone who is aware knows that anyone who would deem something an assault weapon doesn't have the first flipping clue what a gun actually is. And that's why they called it an assault weapon. Well, that and the fact that by calling it an assault weapon, they scare the other ignorant people into whatever their idea is. And it's a nice little catch-all, right? Because, well, maybe people will think it's an AR, but maybe we can also get rid of handguns too under an assault weapon. But see, an assault weapon, I mean, by definite, a rock could be an assault weapon, right? I mean, certainly a knife could be an assault weapon. Couldn't a paperclip be used as an assault weapon? You get my point? So it's operating to the lowest common denominator without anything that's informationally instructive. Yet, more than two-thirds of Americans want to "quote unquote" ban assault weapons. Think about that for a moment. Banning high-capacity ammo clips. We do have 72% that want armed guards at all schools. That is something that we did here in Florida. It's part of that reform. National database. No, uh, that one might get uh, you know, some folks that uh, are are liberty-minded. A little concerned, national database, 80% of the country is there. Expanding background checks and the most agreed upon, 87% believe that we should ban the mentally ill from purchasing and owning a firearm. Okay. Well, that's also something that we took action on here in the state of Florida. Now, a- again, that is all information that was compiled before these shootings. Now you have catalysts. Now is there the momentum to have something occur? President Trump did, as he suggested, write out bump stocks through executive action. So that's the one thing that's happened under this administration to date. But this might be that next moment to where we are seeing something that will take place. And yes, in part because of the lack of information that people have on this particular topic. Win over two-thirds, want to ban, quote-unquote, assault weapons. So we're going to dive a little bit more into this, including what really is going on here, aside from the situation in Philadelphia, where you have a district attorney who does not bring charges. Mm. Apparently this one's going to be different, by the way, the, the charges being brought. We'll talk about that next. I'm Brian Mudd, in for The Great One. Mudd Lovin'.
0: So that Mr. Maurice Hill
3: may never exit jail. Now that is Larry Krasner, the Philadelphia District Attorney, on the charges that are being brought. Now the question I, I suppose is, okay, so you're gonna bring all the will you prosecute the charges, Larry Krasner. Now, to to be fair to Mr. Krasner, he was not the district attorney when numerous gun charges were not Pursued, were not prosecuted by the Philadelphia District Attorney. See, had the actual charges been prosecuted for various different gun crimes over the course of time, you likely would not have had the attack take place because the attacker would have been behind bars where clearly, clearly, The person should have been in the first place. So you have all these gun laws, right? If we only had more gun laws. But it's a funny thing about people that tend to break them. They don't like listening to them. And even more, if already the existing gun laws had simply been enforced, if we wouldn't be having this conversation, well, don't you think it's a little bit misplaced to suggest that this is yet another call for gun control? Now, one of the questions raised at the... uh, Open of the hour. What has changed? What is different? I've been looking into this more and more uh, because it's obviously an epidemic in our country. It really is how people are engaged and whether it's copycat behavior or whatever it is. There's no doubt that since 99, really Columbine, right, that, that seemed to have changed the era that we're in. And you think about what is different. Uh, yes, you can point to any number of different things in our society, including some of what President Trump has talked to. By the way, Brian Muddy in for the great one, Mark Levin. He's a little under the weather uh, today. hope to get him back in rear and ready to go tomorrow. Now, when we are, are taking a look at some of the things, yes, social media, no doubt, very big part. Yes, maybe violence, video games, movies could play a role. But there, there there's so many different things that can come together. And uh, there actually was some interesting research recently on PTSD. The uh, research study that was done, whether or not it's genetic. And the study itself was done of 165,000 military veterans. For a long time, we've had questions about why it is that you could have two people that went through the exact same event. One suffers from PTSD. The other doesn't. What is it that that makes the situation different? Well, it turns out that uh, there were eight different DNA differences. DNA differences. So in their makeup, for those vets who suffered from PTSD versus those who didn't. So when you get down to it, here's what they ended up finding, the researchers and the study. These scientists that study 165,000 military vets who face similar circumstances, about half of which had PTSD and about half of which didn't. What they found is that, yeah, it is genetic. It is genetic. And in the case of military uh, vets, well, about 11 to 20 percent do suffer from PTSD. And that's where we have suicide risk and everything else. Now, why am I mentioning it in the context of this conversation, Philadelphia? Well, because this is one of the other things that we are, are seeing is that there can be catalyst, DNA catalysts for people reacting differently to sets of circumstances. If you're wondering what's different today than it was previously, we start to take a look at how people react to set circumstances. We have a percentage of our society that is wired differently than many of the rest of us. And you don't know until you get there about how people go off the rails how so often we'll hear that we we didn't see it coming, although in the case of the shooting especially in in uh Dayton, there are warning signs everywhere but then we start taking a look at another piece of research a story that I did recently called the internet is literally changing our brain so what this research ended up uh indicating and it was collaborate collaborated on Uh, With scientists from Australia, England, and the United States, is that the generation and generations now that have grown up on the internet really do have a different makeup? They have been wired different brain when it's still in its formative years. Remember, brain doesn't formally uh, doesn't uh, formalize in its uh, you know general form until 25. It's developing up to that point. Well, found out that the internet generations lower cognitive recall why well think about it how easy is it to get information online so you don't have to have the level of cognitive recall you did if you had to go to an encyclopedia if you couldn't think of something right so that is a genetic change they also found that these generations have a brain that is better suited to multitask because of dealing with constant information and distraction but with higher highs for successful people and lower lows for all but the most successful. Think about that. Higher highs for successful people with these generations, but lower lows for all but the most successful. And there's one other key component, and in this case is the conversation about the premise. We'll get into how God factors into this coming up next. Get your calls as well. I'm Brian Mudd, and for the great one, Mark Levin.
1: And the Republicans don't like him. But America does. You can call Mark Levin at 877 381 3811.
6: It's time for the United States Senate to vote on a background check bill, but also not to forget about and not to push off for another day. Finally, at long last, a ban on military style assault
3: weapons, which are weapons of war that should not be on our streets. Senator Bob Casey once again preying on the ignorance of individuals as he discusses military stuff I uh, just for the uninitiated uh th- there is nothing that is legal to purchase in the United States that is used on the battlefield uh that you you do not have. Semi-automatic weapons uh, that uh, you're, you're walking into to battle with. Uh, the what you go to a gun shop in these states is not what is is used on the battlefield. So yeah, I mean it's, it looks like it though. It looks pretty bad. Yeah, it is a gun. It is a gun. Uh, that that's true. So uh, anyway, the uh, Senator Bob Casey uh, trying to politicize something that is absolute bunk, false premise. Philadelphia, where you had this. who had a long line of gun-related offenses that were not pursued, not pursued by the former district attorney in Philadelphia. And had those gun charges actually been pursued, uh, you, you probably would not have had the person free to shoot the police officers. So you can pass as many gun laws as you want. But if you don't enforce them, the only thing you've accomplished is taking the guns away from the good guy. Oh, wait. Uh, just got back to the premise, right? Uh, now, you talk about college and you think about it. You raise your kids the right way. You do everything you can to try to make sure that they understand the importance of the Constitution. And, and then you send them off to college. And well, how do you feel? How do you feel? You feel confident or you're really worried about what's happening in the classroom? You worry ab- about what your, what your kids are going to be indoctrinated with. You start to see the change take place over the course of time. And before you know it, it's gone, right? So our nation's oldest colleges, founded to teach students to seek truth, uphold what's good. But we know that the vast majority of them abandoned that mission a long time ago. Now, when you take a look at the alternatives that are out there, there are not many these days that you can feel good about. But when you want objectivity, when you want information, when you want the, the, the pursuit of higher education, you got Hillsdale College. You can't count on them because for almost two centuries, Hillsdale has remained true to its original mission, provide the sound learning that's essential to preserving civil and religious liberty. And as Hillsdale celebrates its 175th anniversary, remains committed to providing its students with the very best liberal arts education in the country, And Hillsdale remains committed to offering you opportunities to learn about the many blessings of liberty so that you can do what you can do, controlling what you can control to preserve it. They offer you free online courses, their free monthly speech digest of conservative thought and primus. And uh, Hillsdale, they extend their reach throughout their Kirby Center for Constitutional Studies and Citizenship in Washington, D.C. Pursuing truth, defending liberty since 1844, that is the mission of Hillsdale. Dale College now on the gun control thing previous segment talking about a couple different pieces of science I I always want to bring in the, the scientific element into everything else that shapes the premise of a particular problem guns are not new mental health issues are not new the proliferation of violence is frankly we had fully automatic weapons that were illegal in the United States until the 80s we didn't have the rash of violence, the way that we do see now. So, is it really the guns or is something broken in our society? So, I walked you through a little research on PTSD. First thing it showed this was a study, largest of its kind, 165,000 military vets. Uh, and it found that between 11 and 20% of military veterans uh, do have genetic differences. Than the majority of the military vets, and so that's why you could have you know, a couple different uh, vets that experience the exact same event, yet one has PTSD, one doesn't. Genetic differences—we are wired different. And then we take a look at this study that talks about how the internet generations, those that were raised on it, so literally they're being raised on the internet while their brain is still developing. They do actually have different outcomes in terms of the the makeup. Uh, the mental makeup, than prior generations, including lower cognitive recall because they're so used to information on demand, but also higher highs for successful people, lower lows for all but the most successful. So now you start to put this together. People respond to different circumstances differently or the same circumstance differently because of DNA. We have all these catalysts that are out there. We have a rewiring of the brain. And then you have this faith in God. And there was a, it's interesting. You take a look at any number of different pieces of research, but uh, and then they point in the same direction. But one in particular leapt out above all others. It's one I've discussed previously. Last September, Harvard actually came out with a study that showed the impact of God in people's lives and how mental health outcomes improving young people with religious practices. So those by the age of 20 that did adhere to some form of spirituality – 18% happier, 18% happier, 30% more likely to help others, 33% less likely to engage in substance abuse. And those are simply any uh, individuals that adhered to something higher than themselves. But what they found is that those who were the most engaged with their faith, with their religion, were actually those who had the best benefit. So being more connected to, to God, to something bigger than oneself, brought about a better result. And then you take a look in today's society, and what do we see? The lowest level of engagement by young adults with faith. So don't we just have the perfect little makeup for what's happening in society today? A combination of people that have been rewired by the Internet. Higher highs for successful people, lower lows for the least successful. We already have genetic differences that can lead to people responding Differently, including in ways that could be extremely negative based upon circumstances, including maybe seeing somebody commit a mass shooting and they end up getting an idea from it and acting on it. And then you get down to faith, which is where this whole thing begins. We've done everything we can to remove it from society. And if you you didn't think of it any other way for our faith, for our country, if you have something that is good, that does generally promote something that is good and positive positive in faith. And you do what you can to remove it. What is likely to fill that space? Is it something good? Uh, And look around you. Those are your changes in society. You have other things like social media, movies, whatever else, that are just kind of flies within this entire thing. But that itself is the actual premise of what's really going on and what's different in our society. Let's go to Mark. Mark in Thousand Oaks, California. Mark. Welcome to the show. Go. Hey, Mark, do we have you? All right, so let's go to Chuck in Boston.
5: Hey, are you doing? I got two quick points. If you're going to ban assault weapons, a car could be used as an assault weapon. Are we going to be banning motor vehicles? Uh, the second point is if we secure the southern border, less drugs will get in. And it might not have even been an issue because they were originally there to serve him a drug warrant. So if there was not enough drugs, you know, if there was less drugs being poured into this country, he might not have been able to become a drug dealer.
3: Um, Okay, Uh, You know what? I'm not the, the, the second point. Uh, they, maybe, uh, but th- there's a lot of conjecture involved in that. Your first point is on point. Yes. A car could be an assault weapon as, uh, even a paperclip. You could use that as an assault weapon. If you're trying to harm someone with a paperclip, it could be done. I mean, M- MacGyver could do anything with a paperclip. Now you take a look at, uh, the, the issue you bring about. All I would say to you is Chuck, Chuck is don't give them ideas because the same people, that want to ban "quote unquote" assault weapons are probably inclined to want to ban cars too. So they might just go down, or at least you know, uh, you know rein in your carbon footprint because that is a killer. Your 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 car is a killer. That way, it's the slow death of society. Uh, all right, let's go to Bill. Bill in Danville, Kentucky. Go. Hey, how
5: you doing? Hey, doing well. Well, I just um, I was talking to the uh, to the screener about you know my dad. Now, uh, he was born in Europe in 1928, okay, right before, you know, the rise of the Nazi party and all that stuff in 31 and stuff. And he went through all that stuff. He probably had about a sixth-grade education because at the age of 10, he was sent to a German-run military school. And basically, it's like the movie in Brad Pitt where they had it, the Fury, where they were hanging the kids from the streets to show, if you're not with us, you're against us, you're the enemy. You know, so, you know, my dad never really talked about it. I mean, the only yeah. time we did talk about it was like when I was old enough to drink beer, he kind of let his guard down, but he was very, very guarded individual. He didn't like to talk about it. It was almost like it was a, like just, just bad memories and, yeah. and just, you, know, you could tell that it really affected him, you know, and he was actually in Dachau when he got liberated. Um, and then wow. after that, after the Nazis got, I mean, it, I'm, I'm trying to write a book about it basically because. I could live five lifetimes and never experience the amount of um, just life-altering stuff that he went through. I mean, he's probably about the toughest man I ever met in my life. Um, You know, he always moved forward. He He always kind of pushed and did what he did. He was a provider. He worked in the steel mills for 42 years after coming back from Korean War. So he came over here in 1950, and there's a whole bunch of other... I guess items where he was there when the, when the Soviets took over, um, you know, with the Iron Curtain, he was, he was there, and, um, he basically yeah. was doing like, they were prodding him to go and join the Red Army, but he was doing like resistance and feeding information over, over the wall about, you know, uh, just, yeah. um, I guess formation and stuff where the troops and where the infantry was at.
3: That it, it's an incredible uh, the the story that you're telling, and the, you know the strength of your father. May God bless him. Thank you for his service, your family's service, and uh, you know there's point to be made. It does remind me, you know, it's a it, just in recent years, my father-in-law, member of the 101st Airborne, amazing man behind enemy lines in uh, Vietnam, and never talked about it. Ended up talking about it for the first time, uh, and with tears when uh, when we got to talking uh, and and the, the pain and it is real now one of the things on this particular topic as we're talking about the military specifically and it, obviously it's not just an, an issue of the military uh it, the, the point is that somewhere upwards of you know 11 to perhaps 20 percent of people in our society are wired differently are prone to ptsd and as we're talking to the about the military in particular, I'm big on solutions. I, I don't enjoy doing talking, talk radio and complaining about things and doing nothing. Uh, that's why I always get to the, the premise and try to sort these things out. What I'm hopeful of with that research that's coming out about PTSD, the best of its kind today, is that through screening tests ahead of time, If we can isolate those that are prone to PTSD, doesn't mean they would not be able to serve the country, but we might be able to figure out roles that would be more appropriate for individuals so that they wouldn't be put in a situation that would be prone to uh, exacerbating PTSD. And imagine what a difference that could make for vets in the future, for suicide rates, for some of the worst things that we see but also in our society. Now, I've, I've got to be more careful when we're not talking about entering the military. Uh, I'm not wanting the government to get involved in blood testing and then figuring out what our DNA is and, and you go here. I'm not necessarily su- suggesting that, but perhaps for ourselves because we all have our own blood work done. And if we end up having this information ourselves and we know, knew if we were prone to PTSD or not, we might be able to make decisions, whereas parents be able to use that information more constructively to try to help our kids. So, anyway, a little food for thought. Uh, Now, there is so much, so much information out there. And the problem is simply having enough opportunity to be able to share it. Now, one of the great things about The Great One is his ability, uh, across so many different platforms, to bring the information. Unfreedom of the Press, one of those opportunities. The bestseller, one of my favorite things about uh, the, the book, uh, it was on the New York Times bestseller list for five consecutive weeks, and it is the actual book on everything that is broken with the New York Times, a whole chapter dedicated to it on freedom of the press. And it, it, it explains in one way, just as Mark does on air, just as on Life, Liberty and Levin Fox News Channel, just on his digital uh, properties and show, across every platform. There's a way to educate people, and the key is connecting them. So if there's someone that you know that needs the message, get them on Freedom of the Press. I'm Brian Mudd, and for the great one, Mark Levin. Mark Levin.
7: In the beginning of that scene being there, I did not think it would end nearly the way it did. I mean, there was dialogue that was being presented to us at the scene that suggested
3: this, this man was not going to go back to prison. And he had made that clear. That is Richard Ross, the Philadelphia police. More important than ever, that we back the badge and spread the word. Be by the grace of God. It looks like the six police officers in Philly who were shot will recover That's not the case for more than 70 officers who've already fallen in the line of duty so far this year. And last year marked the first time on record that the most common cause of death was murder, killing of police officers. Well, we see the continuation of it again this year. It is very one of the saddest aspects of that entire situation. After the fact, if you saw the remaining officers that were arriving at the scene that were conducting the investigation, gathering evidence, what have you. What happened is, again, you have all these people on the streets. What are they doing? They're harassing the cops. Won't even shove the cop. I talk about people being broken. Oh, man. So, yes, please support our police because the Lord knows that we need them now more than ever just as they need us now more than ever as well. And speaking of logic or the lack thereof, this world, uh, we we know it's in short supply. So – when we we talk about law and american history who's defending you in washington who really speaks for conservatives well it's not uh, not a lot of the biggest names not a lot of the biggest names but amac the amer the association of mature american citizens is looking out for you yeah amac can do what you need have done as a mature citizen. AMAC gives its members valuable benefits every day while boldly defending America's priceless constitution, our sacred history, our liberties, our basic moral compass, which, again, should be logic but isn't anymore. And AMAC fights for border national security, freedom of speech, and religion, values folks uh, like old Reagan and those who served in that administration, like the the great one Mark Levin. They support a strong national defense, limited government, lower taxes. And so AMAC is something that you should support, and they will support you. So don't think you need the other biggest name organization, because they're not there for your interest. If you're not an AMAC member, you should be. The next election will decide our nation's future, either be true to America's noble past and principles, or drift deeper onto the sea of moral relativism so step up send up today amac.us that's a-m-a-c dot u-s and we have about a minute let's go to trevor trevor in grand junction colorado trevor go hi uh, good to talk with you um i just want to make a point that i
2: don't you know all this violence and everything and all these the lists and i'm going to push about gun control i don't think it's about gun control i think it's you hit the nail right on the head, Brian. It's I think it's about morality and moral upbringing.
3: Amen, brother. Thank you for being there. Thank you for listening. Great one, Markle Van. Hopefully be well and with you tomorrow. Always an honor and pleasure. Thank you very much. And Brian Mudd, filling in for the great one, Markle Van. From the Westwood One Podcast Network.